0: Have you ever felt that burying the past is more difficult than burying a person? In Genesis 50, we learn something of the joys and trials of both experiences. For the Lord is our defense, yesu so defend us. For the Lord is our defense, who yea, so defend For the Lord is our defense, who yea, so defend us. For the Lord is our defense. The final chapter of Genesis contains details of just how little and how far we have come. God said that disobedience would bring death, and although man hasn't escaped it, faith can triumph despite it. We also see that the tragedy of Cain and Abel need not be repeated, as the gospel works to offer forgiveness and reconciliation between brothers. In the opening 14 verses, just as God told Jacob 17 years prior that, quote, Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. Sure enough, Joseph is there to mourn his father. Although the priests of Osiris would normally perform an embalming, Joseph specifically requests his physicians do it, keeping his father's body away from pagan priests and their practices. The 40-day embalming process was necessary for the journey to Canaan. It was also tradition for the Egyptians to mourn 72 days for a pharaoh, And so mourning 70 days for Jacob was a mark of honor. And it's also quite possible that Joseph requested two days less to reflect the honor while limiting any sense of the family assimilating into Egyptian practices. Joseph then requests from Pharaoh permission to bury his father in Canaan. And a significant entourage joined him made up of, quote, "...all the servants of Pharaoh..." the elders of his house, and all the elders of the land of Egypt. It's quite a sight. So they all travel with Jacob's descendants except for wives and younger children. And they arrive at a large open area used as a threshing floor during times of harvest. This would normally be a place of celebration, but in this case, there is mourning. And the Canaanites watching, they are stunned by the sight as it continues for a week and they rename the place quote the morning of Egypt and so from verse 12 the brothers proceed into the land of Canaan to lay their father's body to rest in the place bought by Abraham in verses 15 through 21 just when we might think that all the issues have been resolved among the children of Israel we learn that Jacob's sons fear what Joseph might do now that their father is gone. They appear to think that Joseph was like their uncle Esau. Remember when he said, The days of mourning my father are at hand, then will I slay my brother Jacob. That was back in Genesis 27. Now some have questioned whether this suggestion actually came from Jacob. Again, the pain that they brought to him... Uh, through what they did to Joseph and in the course of that discussion Jacob then senses that this matter is not quite resolved and and then he counsels them to confess their sin properly to their brother which in looking at it all had never really happened now whatever had happened in the past their confession here is an excellent example of humility and honesty. And they appeal to a shared faith, which is not unwarranted. God values the unity of his people and blesses that unity. And so Joseph's response, it also models recognition both of God's sovereignty and goodness, as well as man's responsibility and wickedness. And there's a mystery between how that works together, but, but faith accepts both to be true. In verses 22 through 26, 60 years have passed. Since the previous verses, Joseph reaches the ideal Egyptian age, as we're told by scholars of 110, and so he lives to see his great-grandchildren. In addition, some believe, if you note verse 23, it indicates that Joseph adopted his great-grandchildren on Manasseh's side. Whatever the case, after a challenging childhood, Joseph sees a legacy of family unity. He then places an oath on the entire extended family to bring his body into Canaan, not immediately, but when God visits them in deliverance. He is then placed, not on the ground, but in a coffin, a visible monument to act as a reminder to the children of Israel and to enable them to transport his body when the time comes. Hebrews 11, it mentions this event as an example of Joseph's faith, since he believed God would bring his people back into Canaan to fulfill his word to them. As such, the hand of faith reached beyond the coffin and took hold of the promises of God. And so we come to application. 1. The body of a person is the person. Verse 1 speaks of Joseph interacting with Jacob, even though Jacob is dead. Now, note this, because... It is common for people at funerals to suggest that the person is not really there that they've gone into eternity and although that's true and I get it yet we must be careful to qualify that what remains is still part of the person and you find the same truth in John 19 when Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus bury the body of our Lord we're told quote "There laid they Jesus quote that's John 19 verse 42. The body in the tomb was Jesus, not just a corpse. And this is why Christians historically have not burned bodies. To do so reflects judgment, like you find in Leviticus 21 verse 9. Now, obviously, it's not going to make a difference on the last day, but burial reflects a belief that there will be a resurrection of that very body. Remember Job. He, he lived around this time period that we're reading about here. And he says, In my flesh shall I see God. That's Job 19. Now, I understand that burial in most parts of the West has become very expensive, and yet I encourage you, try, if you can, make it an expression of your belief in a resurrection. You also may research natural burial, sometimes referred to as green burial, since at times it can be more affordable. Two, genuine forgiveness needs good theology. In the interaction between Joseph and his brothers, we see a a picture, if you like, of how unwilling sinners can be to receive forgiveness from Christ's hand and to even present Him like an unwilling Savior. But we also get a practical lesson on forgiveness between man and man. A right view of sin, ourselves, and the sovereignty of God goes a long way to help practice forgiveness. You'll also note how sin in this chapter is not modified, confession is not qualified, Penitents are not vilified, vengeance is not glorified, and faith is not nullified. You see, Joseph does not gloss over the evil of his brothers. However, the words, quote, but God, in verse 20, are key. It takes faith for believers to move beyond second causes and see God's hand in every event. Once you can see God's sovereign hand in your life, you'll be delivered from trying to take the place of God But if faith does not rise, God ends up dethroned and love becomes something that others must merit. And such a response is a certain path to bitterness and spiritual ruin. Did not Christ die for us while we were yet sinners? Did he not command us to love our enemies? Are we not told to be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you? If you're struggling with bitterness... Try, try to think of it in this way. You're, you're, you're trying to murder God and ultimately trying to murder your own soul. Three, things change with the passage of time. This chapter contains deliberate contrasting language with what's coming in Exodus. So you have the children of Israel traveling to the promised land with this time the support of Pharaoh and his chariots are there to protect them rather than come after them. So th- So the context is going to be different in a few years. However, while Genesis ends with a coffin in Egypt, this is not how the gospel ends. The story of Christ does not end with a tomb in Israel. Christ conquers the curse of Genesis and promises resurrection onto eternal life. So let me ask you, boys and girls are you still held in a coffin of sin? Or are you a new creation in Christ brought out of the tomb? And into life in Christ. I hope that as we've come to the end of Genesis, you have by now put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. And finally, God's people are exhorted to live in light of a future land. Joseph's words in verse 24 reflect the biblical truth that, quote, Here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. That's in Hebrews 13. This does not come naturally. And therefore, it must be taught to our families, as Joseph does right here. And so I I urge you, parents, discuss with your children that God will only bring into the heavenly Canaan those who have trusted Christ for salvation. While Joseph needed his bones to be carried into Canaan, Christ walked himself right out of the tomb. And that is the victory of the gospel. So I want to ask you, I I want to ask everyone, Have you? As we come to the end of Genesis, or can I put it this way? Do you know that you have moved from the judgment God pronounced on Adam in Genesis 3 into the promise of life? Do you know that you have been delivered from all the judgment that God declared would come upon man for his sin and you have experienced the redemptive mercy of God in the promised Messiah? I hope you have. Otherwise you have missed the entire message of Genesis.